0: mission. To explore the far reaches of cinema, three daring adventures dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Cynonauts!
1: Hey,
2: I'm Ian. I'm Boom.
1: This is Catcher.
2: And welcome to the sixth mission of Cynonauts Exploring the Criterion. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about 1995 sci-fi thriller neo-noir strange days uh, directed by... all of those things it
1: is definitely all of those things <laughs>
2: it's definitely all, all of, those of things. the above uh directed by catherine bigelow starring ray fines angela bassett juliette lewis and tom sizemore but before we get to that let's uh let's chat about what we did or what we watched this week who wants to go first
1: Uh, I'll go first. This week was kind of fun. I got a bunch of different things Mm -hmm. uh, that I watched. But most importantly, uh, we were tasked, Ian, to watch a musical (laughs) because of the (laughs) Chicago 7. And I was so hyped after our discussion last week. Me and Boomer were talking. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to watch it now. So right after we recorded last week, I put High School Musical 3 on. Yeah. And I watched it.
3: <laughs> oh. I also watched it well, while he was watching it. Just, yeah, we watched so it we together. Did, we tandem. did like text reacts. <laughs> it was great. It was great. I'm definitely gonna upload some of the screenshots to our Instagram. But yeah, you continue. should definitely yes. do
1: that. <laughs> that is a movie. Um, so it was okay. So a little bit of history about me: for a really brief period of time, like three years, my mom like co ran a drama camp. So we had like uh, all these actors and stuff, and we do like acting, games, and all that stuff, and we would do musicals and things. And so I have a little bit of, like, a weird appreciation for musicals. I'm not a huge fan of them, but I sort of, like, can understand them more than maybe, like, the average person. I have a little bit of insider info. (laughs) Um, So it's, like, actually not bad. The premise is kind of cool. It's, like, uh, the musical that they're doing during school is, like, about the year that they're having. And so all of the musical moments are... Uh, wrapped in like prepping for the actual performance at the end of the year. It's like rehearsals. So there's like a reason for them to be singing and dancing because they're practicing the singing and dancing. Um, but it's a very confusing story uh, because I figured by the third movie, Zac Efron would be okay with like dancing and playing basketball and finding those two things equally as entertaining and fun. And oh, he's, still, struggle. he's still struggling with it. So that was very strange. <laughs> um, and there's also, <laughs> there's the, the only really bad sequence in the movie is a scene where Zac Efron and his other male lead have a moment where they're broing together, where it's like, <laughs> it's okay, we're going to be bros forever. Like, it doesn't matter what happens to us, where we go in the future, we'll always have each other sort of idea. But Mm -hmm. they're singing and dancing (laughs) about being, like, manly growing up into, like, men, which is a totally fine Mm -hmm. thing. But the movie itself seems ashamed by this fact and, like, tries (laughs) to... Which is, like, the
3: whole premise of the the movies.
1: (laughs) Yes. So it's, like, they're in a junkyard because the junkyard is manly, right? And then they're singing about being manly. So then they have, like, samurai swords and stuff. And it's just like, what is even going on? They just tried to find the most overly manly things for them to do because they were talking about being men, but they were being men while dancing. And so those things could not be possibly the same thing. So they just used all this like overly masculine visuals and it's crazy. It's like, it's totally bananas. So I watched High School Musical 3. I <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's not much arc to the story of me seeing it. It's just like it happened to me. It was an experience that I had, and I laughed <laughs> the whole time. Uh, thank you, Boom. I appreciate you allowing <laughs> to experience Zach Efron, which I learned while watching this movie definitely was supposed to be the next Justin Bieber until YouTube created Justin Bieber, and then his career right. was never the same again.
2: Zach Efron is so funny, though. He yeah. is really he is great funny. in a lot of movies. He was really funny. He has a little small bit part in The Disaster Artist, which I thought was really good. And that movie Neighbors, mm-hmm. have you ever seen that movie Neighbors? Yeah, he's um, good. Yes. That movie is, is a good. hilarious, and he is so funny in that. He holds up against Seth Rogen, no question. I... I- yeah. I, I I really love him in comedic roles. I mean, even Baywatch, which wasn't that great of a movie, I thought he was super funny in it. Still, um, no, that's the thing. Yeah. Like,
1: I have no problem with him. I think he I think he is a really great, like, I think he's not a great actor, but I think he's a good actor and he's fun. And I just think he just got screwed over yeah. by Justin Bieber. That's all. I think he deserves <laughs> the praise that Justin Definitely. Bieber got.
2: Uh, boom, what did you watch?
3: Um, so I started uh Steve McQueen's small act series. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Highly yeah. anticipated. Yeah. Um so that was pretty exciting. I started with Mangrove, um, which was pretty amazing. So it's a court drama. Um, and I think it'll get compared a lot to Chicago Seven, just based on like subject matter and like the close proximity of the two releases. Um and I did like Chicago Seven, but Mangrove kind of raised the bar. Mm for expectation, um, in the way these stories get told. I just think Steve McQueen is a truly great filmmaker. Like that's Mm -hmm. just a universal truth. Like, no, (laughs) I don't think there's really anybody out there who's like Steve McQueen sucks, you know, like he's just so, so solid and But yeah, and I also just kind of look at him and I think he's just like a brilliant educator. Like, I think with the films, like, yeah, like there's a beginning, middle and end. And like he does all that. Like he gives you the facts of like what happens. But he also like elevates this these stories to like this level that I think a lot of filmmakers just can't touch. Um, And he just like peels back all these layers and really gets like behind the driving force of the stories, like through human emotion which is just really powerful. Um, And he also just like draws out some of like the best acting performances just Mm -hmm. all the time. I don't know. Like I can't wait to see the one with John Boyega because I think those two working together will just be like a force. Yeah. A force awakened. Um, (laughs) 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 Yeah, I did that. Thank you. (laughs) But yeah, Mangrove was brilliant and just lots of great dialogue, lots of amazing shots, just so much beauty. That's kind of what I did this week, and it, and it was fun. Just hanging out with Steve McQueen, always a good time.
2: Uh, on my list, I, I have fully kicked off holiday movie watching season. Yes, that get uh, I've never been like that into Christmas movies or anything, but my wife really loves them, and we've been ramping up more and more every year. She's been easing me into them more and more. We've watched a ton. So this week... I watched Happiest Season, which is the lesbian love story starring Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart. That's on Hulu. Very cute. Super funny. Uh, Watched Muppet Christmas Carol. Shout out (laughs) 70 millimeter for the lads over there. Uh, Watched Home Alone, which is a standard, obviously. And then I watched Klaus, uh, which is the Netflix animated Christmas movie. It got nominated for the Academy Award for Best Animated Picture Last Year, and I never watched it, and it is fantastic. It's basically a Santa Claus origin story, and I think it's a better origin story than like any Marvel or Disney movie oh, has done. Like it's seriously so clever. Uh, really original. The animation is really beautiful too. So love, loved that movie. It was super good. Before we get to our first episode of the Criterion Edition which is going to feature strange days since we're on the topic of holiday movies. We're making a big announcement today. Oof. Uh, we're going to do a special Christmas episode uh, in which we're going to do our first holiday movie draft fantasy <laughs> team. I don't know how we're going to call it yet, but basically uh, and this was inspired from some other podcasts I've listened to before that do some similar things like this, but we're going to do a holiday movie uh episode where basically we're going to be picking from a list of about you know 40 or 50 movies holiday movies and this isn't just christmas it's going to be you know any holiday thanksgiving thanksgiving, uh, <laughs> thanksgiving. independence right. day is going to be eligible new year's eve all
1: this passover
2: passover uh, valentine's day all these sorts of things any movie that is centered around a holiday is going to be eligible for this We're gonna curate summer solstice. Solstice. We're gonna curate our list, uh, and then we're gonna go to Instagram for folks to submit some of their favorite any holiday movie as well. And then in a couple weeks, the three of us are gonna draft these movies based on certain categories, which we haven't ironed out quite yet. And then uh, we're gonna have the people vote as to who had the best lineup. So keep an eye for that. I'm
3: excited for that. I'm so excited.
2: Rumor has it, we have a special voicemail towards the end of this episode, so make sure you listen towards the end of it. Let's get into our first episode that is a Criterion edition. So in case you didn't know, uh, Strange Days, which again, 1995 directed by Catherine Bigelow is not in the Criterion collection or featured on the Criterion channel, Um, but we want to do, you know, every, who knows, every, you know, couple episodes or so, we're going to do episodes in which one of the Cinenauts, we pick a movie that we think should be eligible for the criterion collection, and then we will watch them, and then we will discuss and vote as to whether or not we think it is eligible. <laughs> uh, this first episode is going to be again led by Boom, who made the selection last week. Uh, but we do want to give a warning: if you didn't have a chance to watch Strange Days, and uh, we we re- I actually apologize. This was really hard to find. Uh, you had I know yeah. I
3: didn't. I thought it was on Netflix. Still, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. It's <laughs> fine.
2: Uh, so if you haven't, if you didn't have a chance to watch it, and you still want to listen. Uh, we're probably going to talk about a scene that involves a pretty graphic uh, depiction of sexual assault and and murder, rape and murder, um, of a female character. So uh, when we get to that part, I'll probably call it out. Just skip ahead a couple minutes. Just wanted to give a heads up there. But anyway, uh, boom. Where are you taking us?
3: So we're gonna hop into our time machines.
4: Whoa,
3: and this time make sure you pack your bulletproof vests and anti-nausea pills because it's going to be a wild ride (laughs) um so we'll start in 1986 uh, where a young james cameron is celebrating the success of aliens the sequel to ridley scott's sci-fi masterpiece um, so Cameron starts writing a treatment for a dystopian thriller where you can experience memories through virtual reality. Um, so fast forward to a few years later, he's now married to up and coming filmmaker Catherine Biglow, and she gets really interested um, in this story. So this is the early 90s. And during this time, there's like a, there's a lot going on. A lot <laughs> went down in the 90s. Um, So we're seeing huge advancements in computer science and tech. Um, Like in the early 90s, the world is introduced to like the first web browser. And over the years, you see things like Jurassic Park pioneering the use of CGI to bring prehistoric creatures to life. Yahoo Yahoo and Amazon are invented. Smartphones are invented. Text messaging comes into play. Video gaming systems are becoming like a household staple And the graphics are just getting more and more realistic. So it's just like a clusterfuck of tech. (laughs) 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 So something else happens in the early 90s, and that's the brutal beating of Rodney King at the hands of the LAPD. So um, police brutality at that point wasn't new. However, this incident was filmed um, by a witness who had a camcorder and the footage shortly made its way onto TV screens across the world Um, and this was the first time we're really seeing something like this in our living rooms Um, and we all know like the Rodney story and we all know about the riots that took place um, around the time of the trial they lasted for days so yeah um, welcome to the 90s and (laughs) Because of the state of the world with like tech um and things we're seeing on the news, people start getting like super weirded out and paranoid. And um, there's people in groups prophesizing that the new millennium will bring on a rapture or end of days at the hands of big tech or like general sinfulness. Um, right. Like you guys remember Y2K. Yeah. 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 Like my mother filled every pot in the house (laughs) with water. It was, it was a wild, it was a wild time. But yeah, so all these things are kind of inspiring Catherine to tell this story. So it's a cautionary tale of the state of the world and where this can all take. All these things can take us. So, in 1995, Strange Days is made for about 42 million dollars, and it immediately flops out of the box office. <laughs> after it, so it only earned eight million dollars um, during its run. Um, this almost derails Catherine Biglow's career as well. Um, And the film just kind of continues to fly under the radar for years. Um, Then it eventually gets picked up by Netflix, where it does a pretty long run. I I honestly thought it was still running again. Sorry for that. (laughs) And because of its, like, star-studded cast and crew, it gets attention. Um, So people are, like, clicking on this movie because they see Angela Bassett. They see James Cameron's name. They see Catherine Bigelow, you know. Um, Yeah, so people are now watching this, and now they're kind of, like, loving it. They're saying it's extremely relevant and forward-thinking. So somewhat of a rebirth kind of happened for this film. That's pretty much Strange Days. Just in case
1: anyone has had a hard time, as we did, trying to find a copy of this movie, I want to just kind of quickly explain sort of a a few plot points just in case anyone doesn't know so they can sort of play along with us. But basically the idea is it's set... In uh, it's 1999, Ray Fiennes plays uh, an ex-cop who peddles me- experiences, human experiences, and he gets wrapped up in a couple subplots that basically pull him throughout the city. But one of the subplots is someone who he's used to hire who goes out and uh, films these experiences. She is murdered, and he gets one of these tapes with her murder on it, and he's trying to solve her murder. While at the same time... There are two cops that are running through the city after something, and the that something is tied directly with Lenny Ray Fiennes' character, and how that unravels and where that goes is uh, pretty dark and pretty gruesome, um, and yeah, it's like a noir and it's also a mystery and it's it's that's I, that's, that's the best that's I can a great do job. <laughs> as as you'll hear. As we get into it, it's quite complicated so because it's really this is really two movies yeah. that they've somehow smashed together. Yeah, um, we all took tar- tar-
3: turns trying to describe that film, so we'll have to see which one
1: Ian yeah. So, edits. Yeah, like
2: Boom said, uh, opening up the 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 behind the scenes here. All three of us just tried explaining the movie, and I might have to cut and paste all three of us. But Ketcher probably did the best job, so I think we're gonna stick with that. It's brutal. anyway. Boom. Okay. So what let, let's start with you. I know you had a hot question to start off with. So Okay,
3: yeah. So I said so I said I know we like to always start off with a hard-hitting question. So I just wanted to throw to you guys um and ask on a scale from one to ten, how in love with Angela Bassett are you?
1: <laughs> ten. <laughs> ten. Yeah. Eleven. Ten. Eleven. <laughs> the only redeeming character in the entire movie. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Watching Angela Bassett in this, I'm just like why wasn't she an action here like star?
1: Like I know. she very easily could have been Linda Hamilton she, she, or she like, could have been anything. Or, I mean,
2: uh, I I believe there she were... She could have
3: been everything. There were
2: rumors that she was gonna be playing Storm um in the old X-Men films, and that like didn't that didn't happen. I can't remember who was supposed to be directing it. Um and she would have been like great as Storm. I mean Halle yeah. you know, Halle Berry's great in a lot of ways, but I think Angela Bassett would have brought a different sort of flavor. So I am glad she's having sort of like a renaissance right now with Um, but yeah, Angela Bassett is badass this entire movie. So I'm I'm glad we're aligned on that before we get to the things that we're all probably going to be all over the place Mm -hmm. on. Uh, (laughs) my first note on this movie that I thought was really interesting was that this movie was made in 1995 and it shows like a, like a dystopian future that just takes place in 1999. So four years after the movie was made, like typically when we see dystopian movies like, you know, Blade Runner or, uh, anything (laughs) it takes like like years and years ahead hundreds thousands of years in the future catherine bigelow and james cameron who wrote who wrote the movie um they made a bold way of making it take place in la Mm -hmm. four years after the film came out and i think it's interesting i I like that a lot right what do you think about that
3: i think it just played into like the immediate kind of like panic and paranoia that was being widespread Throughout that time, um, like I said before, just with all of like the tech and just the things that were going on, all all the struggles in LA with with police brutality and mm-hmm. and the riots and and all that stuff, I think it wasn't hard to imagine um, a few a near future as such. So, I mean, obviously, it, this is a very exaggerated. Um, kind of version of that but on some levels you're like you totally. know this, this kind of checks out it's not not that
1: <laughs> yeah I just think it does carry like it, it. the film does do a good job of like that un, that feeling of well we're at the end of the world and like oh well like you might as well get comfortable like it's just gonna be bad it's bad it's gonna continue to be bad <laughs> and sort of like what happens to society when that certain level of like ok, well, we're all screwed. So yeah. like when that takes over, like what that can lead to, yeah, um, I mean, I guess it's also in the CD it takes like the film takes place in the CD underbelly of that world. Mm, so I imagine it probably feels a little bit more greasy than the rest of it does. But definitely feels like something terrible is ha- going yeah. to happen soon.
3: It's so chaotic and sleazy, and it kind of reminds me of like a German like a Berlin nightclub as well. <laughs>
1: from personal experience
3: from personal experience there's one scene where i was like this looks like like a club that i've been to in berlin (laughs) and i am just as terrified now as i was then
2: (laughs) Uh, um yes so uh let's chat about our our boy lenny nero played by ray fines a, I thought he was Bradley Cooper. About every other scene,
3: every other like scene,
2: the like they look the exact same. Like it's not a surprise to me that Bradley Cooper got picked up as an a, a young actor because he looks identical to Ray Fiennes with long hair. Like there are some shots Spitting where I was like, that image. Is for sure, to him. Um,
1: but really, y- you yeah, to- I heard this. I heard this. I heard this on like a podcast I was listening to, and I, the rest of the stuff that they said on the podcast was so nuts. I didn't take it seriously. But they had said that, and I thought this was another thing not to take seriously. But you guys are saying the same no. thing. I did not catch that at no, all. I thought they looked I I like, Spitting distri- image. Yeah,
2: spitting image. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. That's crazy. Uh, so huh? I, I think Ray Fiennes is like one of the one of the great actors of our time. Okay. uh I mean, Obviously, he kills it as Voldemort. But you know things like Schindler's List. <laughs> uh, I think he should have been nominated for he should have been nominated for portrayal of Voldemort in Deathly Hallows Part Two. But that's and that's just for me.
3: his performance in Made in Manhattan.
2: Made in Manhattan, right? I mean, he has. Uh, snubbed, <laughs> snubbed,
3: snubbed for uh,
2: reals. He is not very good in this movie. What did you? I, I, no. I his accent was Disagree. all over the place. Disagree. I thought, like, where is he from? So, so catch, so wait, boom says no, as in he is not good.
3: No, you, I mean, he, he does, I think he gets the job done, but I, his, he knows his exactly is, what
1: movie he's in.
2: You he
3: know, okay, fair, but I'm like, <laughs> the acting is choppy, the accent is choppy, the accent is bad. He is like overperforming a lot of the time, which was like kind of yeah. Like in in certain times, it's like hilarious and amazing, and then other times it's like super cringy.
2: When he puts on like the squid and starts oh, wire yeah. tripping, and he's like, he's like, like it's so yeah. it's so
3: ridiculous. He's like, like pretending to like hold uh, Juliette Lewis yeah. like in the air, and it's just yeah. So or like
2: in the more like brutal ones, he's like no. No, no no like it's so but oh ca- i know <laughs>
1: come defend your guy come save your yeah. boy
2: what what do you I'm, have for him
1: i don't think i like i don't it's weird because i don't disagree with any of the things that you're saying because it is over the top but that's sort of the point like i don't know the move this movie is like of a of its time mm. you know what i mean it's like like johnny mnemonic you know <laughs> oh like, yeah. Like hackers, like, like even like Joel Schumacher's Batman movies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, uh, it's there is a certain level of like campiness to it, yeah, that is, uh, just part of it. So like, there are so many other <laughs> things I think that I think are wrong with this movie <laughs> that like. Him having, like, an over-the-top performance is, to me, like, whatever. Like, I'm here for that. It's like uh, Eddie Redmayne in uh, Jupiter Ascending or whatever that movie (laughs) was. Like, it's just like, yeah, like, get into it. Like, play it up. Have fun with it. just have a good time. Um, I'm going to sprinkle every so often some quotes that my girlfriend made throughout the movie. Because she basically just said all the words I was thinking at the time, and then she said them. So I'm going to give her credit for them. Yes. But just uh, this movie under... And over delivers. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. You, like there's, there's like what it gives you is like a lot. And then what it doesn't give you is also a lot. Yeah. It's like, okay. And his performance is just one of those things. That's like a lot. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, I'm, I'm here <laughs> for it. I'm here for it. That is so spot on. Yeah. Yo, there's a few more. His too.
2: character that's is like interesting to me. I think his driving like purpose is very interesting. Like I, I get his character, what he's mess. doing, like how he's surviving in the world. But something I could not get over is, like, he is dealing, obviously, like, a a very illegal drug, right? Like, it seems pretty high on, like, the do not buy or use list. But he's walking around with a briefcase all around town, going to clubs. I'm like, what drug dealer goes into a club with briefcase with a briefcase with a bunch oh,
3: okay. with a bunch of illegal, illegal tr- like narcotics yeah. and fake Rolexes? Yeah, like
1: like so. <laughs> oh, that is amazing, so actually, funny. that sequence with the with the, the Rolex, Rolex, where he gives up his Rolex for information, and then has a case full of them. More of them. It's
3: so funny because he's always trying to like talk his way out or like charm his way out of these bad situations. But it never works. Yeah. Like the guy drives off, or when he's like trying to talk people out of like kicking his ass, yeah, he still gets his ass kicked. Like it's it's hilarious. Yep.
1: <laughs> if if this were up to me, I would cut. So Ray Fiennes has a girlfriend mm-hmm. who be, is sort of a character. She like his ex-wife. His ex-wife, right? It's his ex-wife, the dancer. No, it's his Juliet ex-girlfriend. Lewis? No, just ex-girlfriend.
3: It's, a, oh, it's his ex-girlfriend. ex-girlfriend. She's a she's a singer and a prostitute.
1: Played by Juliet Lewis. Right. So he's he's pining over her, right? Yes. And he wants to get back with her, I guess, or something. Yeah. Um, can we just cut that whole subplot out? I agree. Yeah. I think if we cut everything, so Tom Sizemore is also in this. He plays
2: Max. So t- Tom Sizemore is a guy named Max. He is Ray finds, he's Max is still a cop, and Ray finds they were partners. Okay. And when Ray finds is trying to investigate, he goes to Max to try and get like insider information, uh, and then uh, Max turns out to be the guy who is sending uh, Lenny the m- snuff, you know, tapes basically, and also is dating or with uh, Juliet Lewis,
1: which is a reveal that comes out later. Yeah, yeah. All of that can go out the window. Really. And this mo- all of, okay, anything with Tom Sizemore and anything with his ex wife, except for the initial reveal of him, of, sorry, of her, mm-hmm. like the, and their relationship at the, sort of the habits of the beginning of film, mm-hmm. I would cut the rest of it all out. And I would just, it would be the cops are off or looking for something and you don't know what it is. And he's got the tape and it's how those two stories come together. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, the movie starts that way. Right. You get all this cool, crazy stuff with the cops at the beginning. And you're like, what's happening? Right, exactly. And then you get this whole whole setup with Ray Fines and like what his whole deal is. And then that's sort of just completely left alone. And then you deal with this whole other thing with his, which is like the murder and Mm -hmm. the rape and all of the, the sort of the. That, everything that comes after that, right, that has this sort of inciting incident. But then that doesn't happen until like so late into the movie because <laughs> you've dealt with all the opening for this other film. And then there's the murder stuff that goes on. And then it finally at the end caps off with the cop and the cops and how that's all wrapped <laughs> up in the plot. Right. right. And it's like, what? what is, as you can tell, we're all confused about how to talk about this movie because there's so many spinning plates and none of them touch each other. Yeah. It's, yeah.
2: Uh, my note, actually, I wrote down, the movie got exponentially better for me when Angela Bassett's character got introduced. Absolutely. Because the first, yeah, the first 20 minutes, like they could have explained what Squid is. A- even if they kept Faith, they could have explained the Faith storyline like five minutes. Yeah. And like, and they kept Easy, going peasy. with everything else and have that be like the B subplot. But yeah, there's just like a lot going on. Uh, I know Ket- some of our friends, Catcher uh, and I, they said, they think they've seen the movie, but they don't remember. And I do not believe that because I do not believe anyone who has seen this movie forgets, forgets the movie. It, <laughs> yeah, it is you know, so how? insane. And there's so much going on that I, I cannot believe anyone who has seen this Ooh. would forget they've seen it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I agree. I, I think the movie is about eight hours long. And I think that's a product of her and James Cameron working on it together. Um, James yeah. Cameron loves his long movies. Oh, I does. mean, do we need to talk about all his All his movies are close to three hours yeah. basically. Um, and not all, but a lot of them are close to three hours. And I think her working on him and James Cameron was editing it also. Oh. Um, he's uncredited though. Cause he was not a part of the editor's guild. And so I think James Cameron just like, you James know, James Cameron, the better. whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He got better with it. Like I think, like I love Titanic. I think Titanic is oh, a yeah. perfect five-star movie. Um, and he was able to figure that one out and that movie manages plot lines a lot better than this, even though there's like, you know, I don't know. It's, it, it's, a messy movie. Yeah. Uh, but boom, what are you going to say?
3: No, I was, I kind of agree. Like I do think the plots, there are a lot of spinning plates. Um, it's just hard for me to imagine the movie without that plot line because mm-hmm. literally everything Lenny does, like his whole driving force is because of faith like Juliet Lewis. So mm-hmm. you, you, and, uh, and if you take that out, like, Lenny just doesn't have any purpose. I don't know. It's
1: what's Lenny's purpose. Even at the end of this movie, I don't even
3: know. He is, he's just all across the board, unlikable character. I think he's just so selfish. And also Mm -hmm. like he treats faith, like a prize, like a possession, all the three guys who Mm -hmm. are kind of like involved with her. Like she Mm -hmm. is just like an object to them, which is, Mm -hmm. is so infuriating. I mean, her character is trash as well, but like.
1: What's there What's there to like about like what's why is everyone pining after her? Like right. why, it's like a three-way pining. Like you yeah. don't need this three-way <laughs> I, I pining. Think, I
2: think it's just a weird love, you know. It's to give, give his thing.
1: character some depth, I guess, right? Yeah. Like that's the idea, but it just ends up slowing things down because there's there are so many really brilliant and great ideas that mm-hmm. are happening in this movie. And like, because I don't really want to shit on this the whole time, because I think there's a lot of really interesting things. Absolutely. Are going on. Like, and there's a lot of really interesting things this film has to say, you know? So I think we should talk about those. Things.
2: Yeah. So let, let's, let's shift to, I think the plot line that we all like. So basically the, the B plot line is a, a black musician who seems to be like the voice of black America at the time. His name is Jericho one played by Glenn Plummer. He is murdered and people aren't sure they, you know, the media is saying it's a gang scene and basically what happens is um, one of uh, Lenny's uh, employees who he pays to make these videos was making a video with Jericho One in the car with him, with her. And they get pulled over. Jericho One gets shot by the cops. This girl is running away from them. And she has the tape, um, this like squid tape with her. And basically it gets into Ray Fine's possession. He works with Angela Bassett. Who and then they try and get um these cops who committed this murder basically caught. Um and and I think like all the nuance of the movie is in this plot line. Absolutely. Like Angela mm-hmm. Bassett, like they have a lot of really strong dialogue where, you know, Ray Fiennes and Angela Bassett, they're arguing and saying, you know, if this video gets out, you're gonna start a war. And Angela Bassett's like, well, maybe that's what we need. Yeah. You know, they talk a lot about like the balance of what will happen if something like this is exposed, which I think people still talk about today. For sure, today, like mm. all the time, um, and so I think that storyline is is really really interesting. And again, Angela Bassett absolutely kills it and has a lot of really strong dialogue throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, boom! What are your thoughts on on that storyline?
3: Um, yeah, that's definitely the one you're kind of like looking to to like carry the film. I think, <laughs> yeah. and yep. and w- once you kind of figure out what's going on because it's not revealed, you know, like you have Jericho one. Kind of in the background on the TV. Like I I like the way they kind of like weave it into Mm -hmm. the plot and then do that slow reveal because you get closer to like the middle of the movie when you actually when they are actually looking at this tape and you figure out like what's gone down. And it is absolutely wild. And I think this Mm -hmm. is now why people are kind of, you know, watching this film and being like, okay, this is we've got something here because it's just. You you think about Rodney King and how he kind of ended up in, like like I said before, like on television sets across the world. But then it's like now, fast forward to 2020, where we are seeing police brutality taking place in live action. Like Philando mm-hmm. Castile was was stream his death was streamed live. Like George Floyd had death had a million views I- within hours, like millions mm-hmm. of views within hours. Um, and, and we see kind of what happens, um, when these things are exposed and, and that's what makes this interesting. Like this idea of like surveillance, this idea of kind of like just eyes being everywhere and, and people not being able to hide. So I was super down for that plot. I, I was always excited to kind of see where it was going. The wrap Mm -hmm. up, I didn't love like the end Not great. Mm -hmm. I think like... Bananas. Yeah. I mean, you have this scene where like Angela Bassett's like literally being beaten like Rodney King, uh, which was Mm -hmm. hard to watch. Um, And then the cops just kind of... Because she hands it over to like that commissioner. And then he's just like, (laughs) okay, yeah, fine. Like arrest these guys. And you're just Mm -hmm. like, that's not justice though. Like, because you know he's going to take that tape. He's going to bury it. Nobody's going to see it. So it's like on some... So I just... It's funny to me that like the level of justice that like James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow are like yes this is justice is like stopping like people from seeing it stopping for like the world from erupting into like riots and chaos I don't, I don't know
1: I I don't
2: think oh sorry go ahead Catherine
1: no I, I was gonna say I don't know that that's the point I think I think the you have Catherine Bigelow trying her hardest to make people understand like. The reality of that situation, right. which is like the cops are not going to do the best they can to sort this out and they are going to bury it and they are going to try and push yeah. it. And the only reason that commissioner, they explicitly go out of their way to make sure, you know, that the commissioner is the one clean cop on the force, Yeah, that he might do something about it. And like the ending, I think is
3: something that gets, while a little
1: light, it's light, but I think, yeah, it's a fault of the movie, the way the movie is made in that, like, it doesn't land with the right amount of. E- emotional emphasis right. or like intent, but I think the idea is something for once might have like get done about this right, because right. this guy ha- now has the proof as opposed to anyone else getting hold of it. But I, I'm, you're totally right in that like the movie itself does not handle it with enough, uh, I, smarts. Uh, not smarts with enough. I don't know the word. <laughs> I don't have the <laughs> vocabulary. I, I, I don't think, have the vocabulary.
2: I think. But the the error there is that they end with like Lenny and Mace, Angela Bassett's character ending it romantically mm-hmm. rather like Which I didn't care. So that was random. I didn't care that she was in love with him. Like that that crossed my mind like zero times. Yeah.
1: yeah. zero Absolutely zero times throughout the whole movie yeah. did you ever feel like this would be like a romantic thing and right. then all of a sudden yeah. it just happens. You're yeah, like wait so, what?
2: I think they should have ended with like the impact of the cops being taken away or something but they decided to end on like those who like hugging and be like, Hey, we'll yeah. see I'll see you at the station, which is like, I don't know that. Uh, yeah. I thought the focus on, they couldn't decide what they wanted to be the focus. Yeah. Like even if, I mean the Angela, their love story is like the D E storyline of this movie. And they decided to end on it for some
1: it's unknown not reason. Even, it's not even a subplot. <laughs> it's, not, it's just a thing that happens right at the exactly. end. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like, where did that even it's come so from? Out it's yeah. so place.
3: It's like, you're not even expecting it. You don't even necessarily want it because you were like, Angela, this is Lenny is a waste man. Like, get out of there. You could do so much better. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just pining after Faith the whole time, and she's literally saving his ass. Like, yeah. he would have died like twenty minutes into that film if not for Angela Bassett. Like, she <laughs> right. literally got them out of every hard situation. So,
2: and then they do like some visual things where, uh, at the end scene, I noticed when the two cuffs are like fighting for their lives at the end and like oh the most gosh. absurd like yes. shootout one cop uh William Fickner who always plays like a bad guy like he's every always movie he's
3: like in. a racist creepo always
2: like a racist creepo yeah he shoots himself in the head when he realizes he's caught and then the other cop I thought the strong visual they're still handcuffed together and the other cop is like carrying Fickner's dead body and like yeah. basically being like come at me which I think is also very uh, strong visual saying like you know cops are going to back each other up no matter what situation they're in and I thought that was a very strong visual for an otherwise like pretty sloppy ending um I thought that was really cool
3: visually I'm down with this movie I think like Catcher called it out before when he was saying it kind of like reminds him of like the early days of Batman and things like that and when I was younger these kind of like sleazy campy style films were things that i really liked i i don't know why like i think mm-hmm. you're just kind of imagining this world that's a world that's so different than i mean in this case maybe not so much but it's just like this elevated level of just grime grime exactly yeah for some reason i vibe with um and another thing that i thought was really like exceptionally done was the like when they are kind of like in this wire tripping. the wire yeah when they're wire tripping the way those are filmed and done is quite incredible, actually. Like I, I was watching something, and they actually built a camera, um, like a thirty-five millimeter specifically for those shots. Um, yeah. to do it, cool. and like we see a lot of point of view, um, in movies, but I think this is is some of the b- best stuff out there. Like that opening scene when they're yeah, it was cool. when they're doing the heist. Like it's it's really cool, and then like the scenes with um like Lenny and Juliet Lewis like when he's like in the mirror um and like they're
2: super horny but yeah too,
3: I know that's another thing about this movie this movie is like 10% porn as well <laughs> yeah. um but like that's like that's also done really well and he has like the bandana yeah. over his head like and and you do learn a lot like in those moments and so yeah i like shout outs to the to the POV stuff
2: yeah, I, I had to not watch some of them just because I got a little dizzy. Like, oh, some fair. of it was, like, pretty wild. But, yeah, I th- I thought it was technically very, very cool. I agree. Yeah.
1: I think that's the thing that, like, I've just been getting into Catherine Bigelow a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, she'll come up later, um, one of her other films. But I think what's really interesting when you watch this movie is is that her craft, like, you, she's directing. Like, Cameron may have yeah. written it. And he may have edited it and had a final say on sort of what that product felt like, but she's directing it. She's the one on set. And there's so many brilliant stylistic choices. Boom. Like you said, like the cinematography, Mm -hmm. the the POVs Mm -hmm. are so voyeuristic. So yeah, it's very uncomfortable. Which is a big theme
3: of the movie that I, and I, and I do think that is something that's like really gets driven home.
1: Yeah. And I think like, listen, it's not Blade Runner okay it's de- it's definitely not Blade Runner, you? but but this is not this could be down the street from blade runner yeah like right. it's it, the vibe is quite cool like it, it does you do sort of like feel how alive the world is yeah mm-hmm. and like maybe you maybe the story you're seeing is taking too long to unfold but like what you're seeing is really strong and really good and like it it's seeing that stuff that gets me so excited about watching more of her films is I think she's yeah. such a strong filmmaker like yep. she has such a great eye for where the camera can go and how it's how where that camera yeah. goes is going to elicit a response from you mm-hmm. and I think she's really strong at doing that and it happens so many times throughout the movie and that's why you're like watching it, you're like, God, I love this yeah yeah and then a god, I hate this <laughs> but, oh God, I love this it's like it's this like roller coaster of stuff and um I think she's what really shines yeah. in this mm-hmm. movie. It's she found she f- found the interesting parts of the movie and really tried to totally. bring those out.
3: I do mm-hmm. I have a question for you guys on that note though because yes. I do think she does a really good job in this film, but one thing I kind of noticed while watching it is considering she's like a a woman director, I do feel like this movie is like very rooted in the male gaze. Mm-hmm. You know, like all of like the whole squid thing, like anytime you see Lenny interacting with like a potential sale, it's a guy like it's all centered around like male voyeurism, male pleasure um, mm-hmm. and enjoyment. So I like do you. How did you guys feel about that?
2: Yeah, I thought it was cool because I think other than the guy who lost his legs and he got the he had the he was on the beach or something like that like that was like that was really cool but then even then he's like looking at a girl running across the beach so like is he watching for the feeling of legs or is he watching to see like a hot girl running on the beach with him yeah um if you're like what would you do with like vr i think a lot of men would say like oh yeah like porn and vr it's like what's up you know like (laughs) I i think that's a I think that's a real thing especially at the time um where it's all new technology like people know porn like the reason um, DVD beat out. I forget the what the old DVD competitor Blu-ray, was.
1: Blu-ray beat out HD DVD. Well, blu that's but, what it was.
2: but it was bef- even before that. It was like DVD versus something, um, like the original DVD, where like the porn industry chose DVD, and that's what ended up winning. Like the porn industry does <laughs> ch- decide like what, what is yeah. what media is selected. So I think that's a very heads up play on her part.
1: I think like from the the. Uh, like I'm trying to think. I think I've probably seen like three of her films before this. Point Break, maybe uh, f- Perfect. I, movie. And Point Break, <laughs> one of the movies I've not seen from her, oh, which is interesting. God. Yeah. Um, but I just think, and I I don't know how to say this, so I apologize if this like comes off crude or something. But like I feel like she has a very like prototypically like masculine mm. point of view in her films. Right. Like, I, and I don't like I just think that's a style of like. She's into action, like she likes action, she directs mm-hmm. action very yeah. well and she directs kinds of that's what she likes. that's mm-hmm. what she's mm-hmm. that's what she appears to be, enjoy. And so maybe not masculine is a bad word, but just sort of like this sort of tough aesthetic. like she's into making movies in that style. Totally. and I think it's just part of her aesthetic choices. She just happens yeah. to be a woman, you know and she, and with that, you gain an angela bassett massive character. you gain. Uh, the Jericho one character and that storyline like and her understanding her empathy allows these films to feel have more weight and more grounding to them uh, uh-huh. otherwise you'd get stuff like a Johnny Mnemonic or a whatever <laughs> where it's like it's all it can't it's so unrestrained it has nothing to yeah. say where right. this movie at least has something to say and then and and says it as best she can like right really well visually
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh you brought up Johnny Mnemonic so I, I do want to wrap this section by talking about like why we think it got lost in the abyss of film. So, you know, the movie, I think when I was reading online, a lot of people do like this movie a lot. It seems like we're all on the side of like, eh, but I, it is curious that it got lost. But then I looked at the movies from 1995, the year that this came out and it was like a big year. Um, yeah. so some movies that came out in 95, seven, uh, oh, Showgirls, yeah. Batman Forever, GoldenEye, Casino, Kids, Powder, in uh, comedies, Billy Madison, Tommy Boy, Mallrats, uh, 12 Monkeys, Apollo 13, Waterworld, Desperado, Heat. I mean, just uh, Empire Records, La Genre came out Ooh. that year. Now and Then, Friday, just like 95 just ha- happened to be a ridiculous Banger. Like, strong year. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that, like that, you know, I don't know if this would have become, like, a huge no. movie on a maybe less strong year, but I think no. that didn't help, right? Like, th- I mean, there's so many movies that came out that yeah. year, and this is on the bottom <laughs> tier of a lot of those movies. Well, what, what do you think? I think
3: our ability to kind of, like, watch and digest this film now and kind of apply it to more current times and kind of look at it and yeah. be like, actually, like, for a film that was kind of prophesizing like, the near future... Kind of nailed it. Yeah, um, totally. So I do think that has a lot to do with its, like, not late success. I don't think by any means it's, like, become successful. And I think in 1995, A, like you said, there's just so much going on in the box office. There's so many other things to be to be doing. And I don't think the audience, I don't think audiences were ready for, for this particular film and this story. It's really, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it's just... Well, I don't want to say specific cuz there's like 30 storylines but <laughs> No, yeah. It's, it's just like a different kind of
2: It's It's, a, it's also just, not like Yeah. Sorry. Go no. ahead. I was like it's not, it's not like a fun fun movie to watch.
3: You know, yeah. like
2: it's cool to see there's a lot of style things but like at the time action movies were so 90s and over the top. I mean, like Judge Dredd also came out in 1995 uh-huh. which is yeah. also a, you know, a uh, uh, dystopian future movie that's much more fun to watch yeah. than like water or things like that. So I think,
1: yeah. Well, that's, she's asking you, she's making you feel something and she's very good at like making you f- feel what, how she wants you to feel. And this movie isn't supposed to make you feel happy. It's supposed to be like, Hey, the world's all right. a mess right now. And th- these are the things we need to be looking at. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. yeah, it, it is, I think it just gets lost because it's not a good movie. Like
3: it, I, it is, is a good, a good movie like, though. No,
1: no, but it's hold on, hold okay. on. It it has a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're allowed to have your opinion. I'm not saying you can't <laughs> like this movie, love this movie. I just think that like structurally, which is, I think the thing that is always going to like alienate audiences is a film structure. And like, mm. it does not have a classic. It doesn't have a classical structure mm. in, in in a straightforward way. It's just like, It's giving you so much and you're expected to hold on to a lot. And It's asking the audience to do a lot of work, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was saying, like, I would love to cut her sequence, like her and Tom Sizemore and that whole subplot, just cut it out. Because if you cut that out, it's so much more streamlined. You get to really the meat of what she's, the story she's trying to tell. And I think it comes, it would come across a lot better. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is like you have it's two again, two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like it does not. It's a noir film. Like the, this is not, this is not a complicated story. And I think that's what ends up like sweeping it under the rug, which is there are a bunch of other movies that came out that year. The list you've made is obviously a list of really great films. And this one is not as well made as those movies, mm. but it probably has a lot more to say than most of those movies, but you don't get to see it because you're wading through yeah. so much other stuff. And I
3: do mm. think that like the, the theaters literally just stopped playing it.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's also <laughs> Yeah. I mean a, a, a really weak opening weekend with that many movies coming out. Yeah. yeah I completely agree.
1: In the, in the heyday of film, like movies coming, like yeah. of the movie, uh, empire. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: Um, all right. So that, <laughs> uh, that kind of was strange days. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot going on there. Uh, the bonus is if
1: you've never seen it, you can still see it yeah, and yeah. no, don't know what you're getting yourself yeah. into. Uh,
2: all right. So let's get to the criterion edition judgment. So, uh, l- let's decide, um, why don't we go around, say sort of quickly, like what sort of aspects in a film you're looking for that you think would be eligible to, to enter it into the Criterion collection and save as a yes or no. So I'll go first. Um, for me, my big things like when looking at criterion movies are, is it culturally impactful and not just like to the massive pop culture, obviously, but I think to film culture, is it important to movies? Uh, and then I think, and then obviously, you know, performances, I think the technical aspects are very important to criterion movies as well. And then, um, you know, what is the legacy of the film? Like, do people want to go back to this over and over? So I think, um, in terms of cultural relevance, like boom says, if it had come out a little later, I think it would have been, it would have hit mm-hmm. that bar a little higher. Uh, unfortunately it didn't. And I think it fell victim to a lot of things that nineties movies don't age very well because of, and I think this is absolutely one of those movies. Uh, the performances, I don't think so. I think Angela Bassett was really amazing. Yeah. Everyone else was just like way kind of gnarly for me, uh, and not fun. Over the, like I love over the top movies. Like I mean, I'll, I'm sure we'll get to them at some point. I love over the top movies, <laughs> but this uh, <laughs> I don't think hit that barrier. <laughs> Technical, I think yeah, I think they they do a lot of cool things. We talked about the 360 camera a lot, but um, you know I think it's there. But ultimately, <laughs> I don't think uh, this does not get my vote for a Criterion edition. Uh, boom. Let's hear from you.
3: I'd say like criteria for criterion wise, like very similar to what you just said, Ian. Um, I think anything that like seems timeless and can stay relevant is important to me. I think anything I can connect with on a deep level or anything that kind of seems authentic and original um, kind of would get my vote. Um, With Strange Days in particular, uh, I know in the last episode I said that this is a movie I got into in my late teens. And I think that this movie struck a nerve with me, like kind of right at the right time. Like you're kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like I'm growing up and I'm kind of like gaining more self-awareness and for some reason, like really connecting to things like this. And and I did really enjoy the messaging. Um, And even like the overarching story, like, yes, it was a little bit ridiculous, um, but... It kind of was fun. Like I found most of the, I find a lot, I find overall like this is a sleazy movie and it's wild and it's wacky, but it's good. And at the heart of it, it's really good movie and it's so much fun. And I do think it is still relevant. And yeah, so I, I would say like, you know, I, (laughs) I personally would be cool if it were in, in the Criterion Collection. Do I think it would ever be um, by anybody else's standards? No, absolutely not. But
2: this is by your standards. This yeah, is our game. Yeah, in, so in the Criterion
3: yeah. Collection of my heart, it is. It is right there. Nice and yeah. Okay, so we have,
2: we're we're one and one, <laughs> one, one.
1: tiebreaker. Okay, so I think I think you pick a uh, Criterion film gets picked because it expresses a time or a place or a point of view that as time has progressed is something that we really want to capture. Like at the Smithsonian, you have a collection of all these artifacts and things that, that represent what has happened in history. Like, and, and we have to remember those things. It's it's special objects or things that we have that we need to keep around because we need to be reminded of what this time was like, or what this point of view was like. And the criterion does that for film, like film as an art form is capturing how people are feeling at the time that these things are being made. And so Criterion Film really does a great job of cap- encapsulating that experience. Um, I don't have a lot of personal film experience in wh- for that time frame of 1995 of the, the heats of the race riots happening in L.A. Mm. And, that, and that whole time frame. I don't have reference for that in film, a lot of film. But I think this film actually does a really good job of doing that, of capturing that point of view um okay it's a messy it's a messy constructed movie (laughs)
3: but we're all messy
1: yeah and i will and i you know but there are a lot of movies in the criterion collection that may not bang all the way through like it may not be a perfect movie it may not use every part of the medium to its fullest extent but what it really does is captures feelings and I think what's good about this is it not only captures that whole like race dynamic but it also captures the like disposableness of that time in filmmaking of that like sort of like fake cool future thing where everyone thought the future was going to be so cool and it's like lame as hell when you look back at it now it's so dated (laughs) and like it does a great job of capturing all of those things and so I think I I can't even believe I'm saying this because I wasn't, I'm not even sure I was ready to say yes about it. But until we started talking, but like the more we started talking about it, like I really think it's kick ass. And like, it's not good. It's not a good, it's hard because it's not a good movie. But like, if you are willing, if you're willing to sit through a lot of the, the other stuff that doesn't, that drags the movie down, what you will get in return is something really cool and really unique. And really fun, so I'm nice. I'm saying yes. All right. I think it, I think yeah. if Benjamin Button and Armageddon can be in the Criterion Collection, then I think this movie can be in the Criterion <laughs> Collection for the sa- for a lot of the same reasons. That w- you know maybe uh, not maybe not Benjamin Button. Beautiful. But-
3: I have a tear wow. in my eye, so, and please play like inspirational music in the background when you when you edit
2: <laughs> So the Cynonauts have voted yes. Yes, <laughs> it's Criterion in. edition. Strange days is Strange in. Strange days is in, folks. Uh, you heard what's it here more first.
1: Criterion than a movie you can't even find? <laughs> that, you can't that even is true. find it. The only the only place in Toronto that you can find this movie is at Bay Street Video, which is the coolest oh yes. uh, film rental uh, place in Toronto. And they have a copy of this on DVD. <laughs> so if if Bay Street Video has it, that means it's good. I am actually dead. So
2: Boom Boom is beside herself a, right now. A triumph now. for Boom. Yeah, I just it's I, a
1: it's a trashy movie. It's a trashy movie, but there's there's but trashy a little, there's can some, be good. There is gold yeah. in there. That trashy a could lot be of, good.
2: I just think it should have been forty minutes shorter. Yeah, yeah,
1: at least it at least so, forty minutes yeah, shorter. So I agree.
2: Every second Angela Bassett was on screen, I was like, this movie is awesome. Yeah. And then the second she left the screen, I was like, "Why am I watching? This? <laughs> Why am I watching this movie?" Um, so let's. Yep. So there you go. So that was. So we have our first addition uh, to the Criterion Collection, which is Strange Days. Right. So uh, let's move on to our um, Criterion moment and picks. Since we're running a little long, I'm going to force us to do both of them at the same time. Uh, so my Criterion moment. As like cheesy as it was, I thought the ending scene up until the point where Angela Bassett and Ray Fiennes have like the weird romantic moment. I think that whole finale sequence in like the rave, I thought that was yes. like pretty cool. It was super intense. The, the cop chase scene was awesome. They do a lot of really cool visuals. Again, very poignant to yeah. the L.A. riots. Uh, police brutality, like a lot of the things that are the strongest points of that movie happen in that moment. And it's basically all Angela Bassett. Yes. Yeah. My pairing with it would be, if you haven't seen it, if you are living under a rock, watch the Watchmen TV show. Oh my God. Um, Yes. Because Angela, I mean, it covers again, it, it is like a, it's in the future. It takes, it's about police, uh, brutality and government um, surveillance of its citizens and it stars Regina King who is also an absolute icon right now. And I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's a perfect pairing for it. Oh yeah. Uh, watch out.
1: All right, boom, go ahead.
3: Um, okay. So my criteria moment is when Mace, um, Angela Bassett roughhouses Lenny and like pins them up <laughs> against the wall and she gives them this like inspirational speech about yes. how like memories aren't supposed to last, like how they're, they're meant to fade. Um, and she's just so badass, and I think that's like important messaging about where we're headed and just kind of like, that's the thing that Lenny is really kind of struggling with is just like let going of, let, letting go of the past and then the idea that just like everything is captured and held to. so we can always go back and like overanalyze, um, our past selves. So yeah, that's my criteria moment and my pairing, I kind of struggled with a pairing for this one to be honest. <laughs>
1: Um, but I what what movie is like this really?
3: N- like literally nothing. I thought maybe like the cell because you know I I love also love the cell, <laughs> yep. but yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah. So my pairing is the album Strange Days by The Doors. Um, mm. the song, the title song on it is the song that inspired uh, James Cameron to call the film Strange Days, and yeah, it's just like a solid album actually. So. Give it a listen. I think it kind of, like, pairs well with the, like, vibes of, of the movie. Mm.
1: So,
3: yeah. Strange. Nice. Strange. It's
1: psychedelic. That's cool. I like, yeah. I like that pairing. Okay. Uh, criteria moment. I'm shocked. No one picked this. Because is it this the scene, like, the scene when you find out what the tape is? Like, when you, when you find out the recording, because you don't, okay, one, the movie introduces these cops they are an unstoppable force, and, but you have no idea what they're running for. Like, they're mm-hmm. trying to get something. They are after someone, and you're constantly cutting back to them on their quest to, to get something, but you don't know what it is, and then the rest of the movie is sort of going on. The second you realize that it's footage from the shooting that they killed uh, Jericho 1, that they are responsible, and then you you put it together in your mind that like that's what they've been chasing after. They're trying to destroy this tape so that no one can find out that they're responsible. I was just like, wow, this movie has so many things they w- it wants to say, and I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like I can't believe that they're actually going there. Like they're mm-hmm. gonna show it, and it's fucking brutal. Um, yeah, like it's you're, it's so nonchalant. They show yeah. it, they show it, and it's like and it's like no big deal, and it's. His the attitude of the cops is exactly what you fear every cop's attitude towards a pulling over is gonna be like. Yeah. And it's fucking terrifying. And that you play through it through the memories of uh the whatever whoever that character is, her like that iris? it's through her squid iris, like that it's through like Iris, interesting, because she sees it. Iris, yeah. I uh, see, see there. Nice. Um so that she that like that you experience it through the squid thing, and the camera work of that it just puts you there. You mm-hmm. are in the moment, and so that's why I think it's a criteria yep. moment. And Strong now picks I'd, around, I think. And then for the pairing, I had one, and now I feel like maybe I might do another one. So the one I was going to pair with was: you want to see a really solid Catherine Bigelow movie that you haven't seen, Near Dark. Watch it. It's so good. It's a vampire That's movie. That's one of her
3: first which, ones, right?
1: Yeah. yeah her second. It's so good. It's so good that I was shocked when I watched it. I watched it during quarantine. Uh, it was on the it was actually on the Criterion Channel. It may oh. still be, I'm not sure. Um but it is the only vampire movie that I've watched that I genuinely liked. What? I've not seen I don't like vampire movies for the most part. Interview with a vampire? Yeah, come on. I haven't, I've not, I've not seen it. I've not seen it. Sorry. Antonio <laughs> Banderas? It's like, are we kidding? Is, is, is the There's horniest movie
2: ever made. I can't believe that movie wasn't X-rated. X-rated. My God, the sexual tension between every single character in that movie is unbelievable.
1: Okay, well, maybe I have to watch this then.
2: So those are our Criterion moments and Criterion picks. So let's get to our voicemails. We have a couple voicemails. voicemails. Uh, if you want to shoot us a voicemail, you can, or write us an email. You can shoot that over to CynonautsPod at gmail.com. Uh, and I realize we we record on Tuesdays. So if you want to get it to us anytime before Tuesday, we will uh, we're able to get that on. So here's our first
0: one from our buddy, H. Greetings, Cynonauts. It's H, reporting in from Sector 415. I just want to send my heartfelt thanks for the Lahane recco. This movie is absolutely stunning, but the cinematography is always in service of the characters in the story. Saeed, Hubert, and Vince's performance were so unreal. I guess one thing I'd love to hear your take on is the art gallery scene as a representation of how the movie doesn't necessarily make you root or identify with them. The girls are initially willing to talk to them, but then Saeed just gets completely gross and yes. the whole scene just devolves to violence in like 60 seconds. That was striking to me. Regarding Strange Days, we were going to cover this on Dune Pod next March, but after watching it today, I don't know. The cinematography, especially all the handheld shots uh, like the single take for the opening heist and roof chase was amazing. It was shot by Matthew Leonetti, who made his name with Commando and Carl Weathers' star turning performance, Action Jackson. But boy, this movie was long and dark and really, truly 90s. (laughs) Also, what was the deal with the editing during that final reveal by the villain? It was like 50 (laughs) cuts, 100. That was ridiculous. Lastly, you, I have a suggestion for the name of the Criterion's Pairing segment. Ooh. Criterion Pairing. That gets you CRIPES! Just get Slim to <laughs> record a sounder for it and you're good to go. Anyway, keep up the good work, you three. HM.
2: Uh, That was H, our buddy over at TunePod. Mm-hmm. CRIPES, uh, I don't know. Well, we, yeah, may, that's a, we, we may have to take that H, offline. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so really quickly, to answer his question, let, let's very briefly, uh, I think the art gallery scene, my thought was the same. I was like rooting for these guys, or I was rooting for some of them, Hubert mm-hmm. at least, and Said for most of it. And then when that scene came on, I'm like, come on, guys. You guys have to be assholes to these women yeah. in the art gallery.
3: Yeah, that's something that was on my radar as well. I think it's interesting because, I mean, obviously you're rooting for for the three uh, amigos during, during the film, and, and you do want the best for them. But I do think culturally it's important to kind of show
1: no the difference, the difference between where they're from and where they're yeah, at and
3: I, I, where they're from, and where they're at. And, and just like culturally just showing like male, um, toxicity and, yep. or masculine toxicity and, and how that kind of comes into play and how that runs rampant in, mm-hmm. in communities like that. And, and, you know, as displayed a lot in Vince's character, just like that toxic mm-hmm. masculinity. And yeah, so I think that was just a very factual, like truthful moment. And I think that's exactly how those guys would behave in in that mm-hmm. situation.
1: Yeah, you don't want them. You're like, oh, you are, you are going to be those guys, I guess. Right. And you're sort of let down by that. But I think it just goes to their character. Like, Boom, you were saying it. It's just they are image they're, they're kids yeah. you know they're kids yeah. and they're being immature and and they are dealing uh, outside this part of the movie they're dealing with a lot of big things that are outside their their capabilities and their age range that they should have to be dealing yeah. with and then this just sort of reminds you like oh yeah they're just a bunch of idiot not teens but a, yeah. slightly yeah. older than teens that are just don't know how to handle their and own that's, shit
3: yeah exactly and that's how men of that age behave yep. <laughs> Most of the time, yeah. Some, yeah.
1: And, and sometimes even over. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately. unfortunately.
2: Uh, thanks, H. Thanks. Um, thanks, H. It's here, not going to be cripes. Sorry. It's not going to be cripes. I'm sorry. I will no. say it now.
4: Uh, <laughs> this is from our boy, Art. Hello, Cynonauts. Uh, this is a longtime fan of the show, Art. I wanted to send a message just to tell you how much I love the show. Chemistry between the three of you, the film analysis every week—I'm just really enjoying it—and also to say thanks for uh, directing me to a movie I would probably never have found on my own, and that was uh, La Haine. I watched that earlier this week, and it uh, blew me away. It was uh, really an incredible piece of art, so I'm really thankful for that. Hey, uh, back in episode one or two, Ian had asked for some suggestions on what to call the uh, movie pairings. I haven't heard a lot come in, so (laughs) I'm going to suggest, based on your interplanetary exploration vibe uh, that we get in Neil's amazing intro, that you maybe consider satellites, as in, you know, what other movie would rest comfortably in the orbit of this Criterion movie. So (sighs) kick that around, if you like it. And then finally, uh, we need you... (laughs) to address a a rumor that's out there because I'm starting it right now that a soon-to-be-chosen pick is McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I watched this earlier this spring, and it is fantastic. It's one of my favorite films I've seen in the last several years. Uh, It is criminally underseen, I think. No one ever talks about this movie. It is a grimy Robert Altman Western. I mean... Come on, Mm -hmm. what more do we need? So hopefully it will make the list someday, and I'd love to hear you guys talk about it. Take care, stay healthy, and I love what you're doing. Thanks. Pinky's out. (laughs) Uh, Art, Uh,
2: you beautiful man. Uh, Thank you, Art. Art, if if you're on Letterboxd, you need to follow Art. His name is S. Barrett, B-E-R-R-E-T-T, and read his reviews. His reviews are unbelievable. Yeah, we're we we're gonna have to get him on the show, maybe to talk about McCabe. I mean that. I mean he his his reviews are seriously like top notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're you. really good. They're I also really, really like satellites. Sorry, H satellites. Yeah, that's a good sense. one. Okay,
1: satellite pairings. Mm. Satellite pairings or satellites. I okay, like it. okay, I like yeah, it. I'm into it.
2: All right, uh, we got two more voicemails. Uh, this is from our friend Sophie.
5: Hey, Cynonauts, Sophie here, leaving you a voicemail. Just want to start off by saying. You're all amazing, and I'm all of your biggest fans. Boom, you're my number one. And Leo's sister, Catcher, you have the best voice in podcasting I've ever heard, and I work in podcasting. So um, please uh, consider a career in voice acting. Um, Ian, you seem like someone who would be the best, best friend ever. So if you're ever... Looking for a new best friend Please let me know And I will apply Um, La N was probably the best episode That y'all have done It was so good Such good conversation But as someone who has um, French-Canadian in her blood uh, Every time you tried to Pronounce the title of the show My anxiety levels were just rising Um, So if you do do a part two um, Please just know that it's a silent H When you pronounce La N um, Ian, you don't have to double down and do a hard I know, we H. know. Sorry. You just pretend the H is a <laughs> there. So it's la-n. There's some, like, <laughs> YouTube videos that explain how to pronounce it if you know Latin. it. la Um, I'm saying this out of love. Uh, and it's oh not trying to roast you because Again, I'm all of your biggest fans. Also, I feel like, um, I have a suggestion for yeah, a new segment y'all can do. Um, called, uh, get that out of here. And you can use Boom's soundbite from the last episode. <laughs> um, and it could be about any movie that should not be on the criterion at all, like The Irishman, because who cares about a bunch of people <laughs> in movies? So, anyways, I love you all. And uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Oh my God, that's amazing. Sophie. Although I'm low key
3: offended because Sophie is my best friend. So. The fact that she's opting to replace me is
2: <laughs> You've been replaced uh, in real time. Yeah. Sophie and to the f- other French-Canadian listeners. I apologize for my I apologize for my in particular a- abysmal
3: pronunciation.
1: Ian, we were all terrible. Yeah, it was bad. We're all to blame. This this rests on no one of our shoulders, but all (laughs) of our shoulders. And it's
3: kind of good you just played the two uh, voice messages from your buddies before that because they also butchered it. So you know what? Yeah,
1: that's
2: right. Uh, All right. So here is our last voicemail. Rumor has it that there is a uh, special message in this one. Let's see.
4: Hello. Hello. Come in. distress signal. I need your help. This is proto I'm... off... stranded. I'm alone. I need help. It's massive. The object. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. On the side of it is inscribed. Eight and a half, please. If you can hear this, help me.
2: That was a distress call from, it seems like, a stranded guest synonaut named Proto Lexus from 70mm. And it seems like he is going to be joining us. We need to go rescue him from uh, the planet of federico fellini to discuss the classic film eight and a half yeah. my goodness have any of you seen it? i have not no. i've
3: never seen a fellini film in my entire life yeah I, th-
2: and this is and fellini is like big, big you know guy. cinephile like uh, gotta, gotta <laughs> fellini. uh so and i have not seen this um
1: me neither i'm excited so i'm
2: excited so that is going to be our next episode. I'm so proto, stra- Thank you for that. That message was, that was amazing.
3: amazing. <laughs> I'm like that. I need that level of drama in every episode. Okay. Like <laughs> the stakes have been raised. The stakes That's have right. been raised. So
2: he is going to be our first guest. He'll be joining us next week. So if you have thoughts on Fellini or eight and a half or proto Lexus or anything we've discussed on this episode, <laughs> uh, you can shoot us again. Shoot us an email, send us pod at gmail.com. Um, before we wrap, I want to remind people that we're going to be doing our, holiday movie draft in a couple of weeks so keep an eye out on our Instagram where you can submit picks that you think should be entered in our draft class uh, and then we will then narrow down from there that you can all vote on for the future um, can, we,
1: can we create team names for the yeah, draft? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah we'll create our team names for that okay. so we have some time to do that. That's going to be coming up in two uh, three weeks I think um, but next week we've got Proto coming on for eight and a half Yay! Anyway
1: so excited! Same
2: here. Uh, thank you for everyone for listening. <laughs> Catch boom. Any last words?
3: So long, well, all of you.
1: Don't don't wear ugly wigs with the squid on it. Just oh yeah, just make sure it's the, the same wigs.
3: color and consistency of as your actual <laughs> yep. hair. If you don't want to be sus that. <laughs> that
1: would be perfect. Thank, thank you. Wise words. Wise words from the cinema.
3: Also, <laughs> Juliet <laughs> Lew- uh, Lewis. Juliet Lewis should have just been a musician.
1: <laughs> yeah agreed uh, thanks everyone for
2: listening uh, bye we'll everyone y'all Ciao. next
1: week